your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Lines is pitch. Thrill to left field. Going back is Ben Nissel looking up, and it is gone. Two-run home run into the upper deck in left field for Jack Style. Those are your insurance runs. It's now 4-0 Big Red. Sports Nightly is presented by the NDOT Highway Safety Office, who reminds you to buckle up and put the phone down. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Well, full show tonight, and I really wish we didn't have a full show tonight because that would have meant that the Huskers were still alive in the Big Ten Tournament in Indianapolis. And boy, for a long time last night, that looked like it was going to be the case as Nebraska had a 14-point lead on Penn State at half but couldn't hang on, drop 172 to 66. So you're stuck with us for the next three hours tonight. Welcome to Sports Online. We're glad you're here with us tonight. Beautiful outside today, beautiful late winter day uh, in Nebraska. But I got to tell you, I I felt sour today after the Huskers could not hang on last night, Ben. It's a really spirited effort, a tremendous 20 minutes of basketball where they did – it was hard to pick many things you didn't like about what they did in those first 20 minutes against Penn State and had the 14-point lead, but it flipped in the second half, and Myron Jones got hot for Penn State. He didn't score in the first half, got hot in the second half, and uh, the, the Lions rallied to win it by six. In a lot of ways, it kind of was the story of the season. This team was good enough to play with about everybody they lined up with, but not quite good enough to get over the hump in so many games. Right. Um, took me a while to cool off last night, to be honest with you. I was I was really agitated with how that game ended and really the, the taste left in my mouth after the season. You know, you really felt like the way Nebraska played in the first half, that a lot of things would have to go wrong in the second half for them not to advance in the tournament. And sure enough, Coach Hoiberg tells the TV crew going into the break, the first five minutes are going to be huge for them in determining the outcome of the game. And that, that did determine the outcome of the game. Nebraska played Penn State even, you know, other, other than that first four minutes, um, the first media segment in the second half. And unfortunately, things just didn't go as planned. And um, a combination of fouls, uh, turnovers, missed shots, all led to points on the other end. Penn State was virtually automatic from the foul line in the second half, and they shot a ton of them in the second half. But I think we're all we're feeling great after the first 20 minutes. Nebraska was making threes. They were moving with the ball, passing the ball well. Their defense was outstanding. Um, Penn State had a hard time getting anything uh, on clean on the other end of the floor. And unfortunately for the Big Red, um, things just kind of flipped on their head and got sideways in the second half. It all started with the foul calls. I mean, once uh, McGowan's picked up his his third, and inevitably his fourth. Thor picked up his fourth. Derek Walker was in foul trouble. Nebraska really was was pinned down, and Penn State was shooting in the bonus from basically the last 12 minutes of the game. They were shooting free throws, and, and that was hard to take because inevitably what suffered was Nebraska's defense. They were sagging a bunch. They weren't as aggressive defensively. They were afraid to pick up fouls. Um, they did foul a lot on the defensive end too, so which led to a lot of Nittany Lion free throws. All that kind of culminated with a big run, and that that's what happened. So, 
you know, the fouls, the turnovers, everything kind of piled on top of Nebraska really early in that second half. Um, they were able to get down, um, maybe even take a lead in the second half, or tie it for sure. And Penn State just hit one more huge shot than Nebraska with about a minute and a half to two minutes left, hit the three to go up two possessions, and Nebraska couldn't climb out of that hole. So just really frustrated with how that game ended and how Nebraska's season's e- season ended. Um, you know, I, it's most, I tweeted last night as most frustrating half of basketball all season and just the absolute wrong time for that to happen. So feel badly for the coaches, feel badly for the players. Um, the only positive now is they can get off their feet and just rest because it has been an absolute war for them in the last month. So I wish, I wish that grueling season continued and they were having to suck it up at least one more day against a good Wisconsin team tonight, but wasn't to be. And now, you know, this team will focus on recruiting, getting their recruits here and you know, what, what this off, what the roster will look like next year and then start building a plan for, you know, next winter. Yeah, well, final look at some of the stat numbers of this game. Nebraska made three more field goals than Penn State, made two more threes than Penn State, but the Nittany Lions outscored the Huskers from the foul line by 14 points, and they out-rebounded Nebraska by 16, including 14 offensive rebounds in the game. As I look at this team, and I, you know, I think we got a pretty good look, Ben, at how the Fred Hoiberg offense can work when he has the right guys out there, great floor spacing, kick, drive and kick, or drive it to the basket. But Derek Walker was a huge addition to this team, but I feel like this team, they need to go find somebody who can really go get some rebounds for them. And I don't think that person's on the current roster. I mean, Walker's fine, but he needs help. And I don't think that they help themselves in the November signing period Ben, with the three guys that they signed. I mean, they got Keshe, who's a terrific shooter. He'll fit into this offense beautifully. Uh, Wilhelm Helm is, is I don't think, going to be a big banger inside. I think he's more of a stretch four. And then Bryce McGowans, who I think is going to be a slasher and a terrific player for this team. But I don't think they've got any frontline help. And I think they, they're going to have to go find some of that. Maybe it's a Juco big, a wide body, just somebody to help them crash the glass because second chance points were huge in this game and in other games that Nebraska has played uh, this year. I, I think that's one area that they're going to just have to try to bone up going into next year and I don't. I think they're going to have to go get help with, with guys that they don't have either on the current roster or signed in November in, in that vein. Yeah, I think for me, you know, going into next year, I mean, you, you touched on one of the big areas, but there, there's two really big areas that I, I'm really intrigued that Nebraska is going to – what they're going to do with, and that's the one and the five. You know, who who is the true point guard of this team going into the offseason? But to, to, to follow up you, what you were saying about the bigs, that is a really interesting situation based on what we saw this year down in the post, right? I mean, started with Ivan. It was clear that he just didn't take the step forward necessary – uh, to be this team's reliable post night in and night out in this conference. You know, then Derek Walker gets eligible, and, you know, he kind of takes things over. But due to conditioning and a lot of times foul trouble, that forced Eduardo Andre to play minutes as a freshman. And when you look at these three guys' makeup, what their skill sets are, they're so vastly different from one another. 
And and I still feel like, you know, to, to your point, Nebraska is lacking that, that big that can contend with the bigs in this league, with the Garzas, um, with the Harrahs, with um, – Kofi. Yeah, Coburn. With, I mean, I yep. it's basically every team in the, in the mm-hmm. uh, Big Ten has one. And, you know, to, to go up against those guys every night and um, Travion Williams from, from Purdue, you know, it's just – it's really difficult when you don't have – a guy that kind of does everything, you have three guys that each bring a different skill set. So that becomes um, a tough, tough spot for a coach is, well, where, where are you going? You know, it was clear when Ivan was in the game, it was, it was for physicality. Get in there, bully some guys around, use your weight, use your strength. Eduardo was, was more of, fin- of a finesse five. I wouldn't call him a stretch five, but, you know, just to get some length in there. And, and Derek was kind of your, your hybrid. I mean, setting picks at the top of the key and, you know, really handling a lot of the offense and being asked to pass the ball a lot while at the same time on the defense, go bang bodies down low in the paint. You know, it's it's really interesting to going to be to, to find out what, how, how Nebraska attacks this and what they're asking those three guys to do. And if they, you know, bring a fourth guy in here, you know, that, that comes in and tries to solidify things down there. And, and I think they're going to have some scholarships. We, we talked with, with KP last night, and the, in this current state of, of college basketball, there's going to be some more defections. I, I just I think you can kind of, kind of see it coming. I think the next couple of weeks will be interesting on that. And, and does Thor and, and Kobe want to come back? Uh, and does Nebraska want him back? I don't know. I think it's going to be a mutual type thing. I don't know. I think those will be some tough conversations that will be had in the coming weeks. You just know listening to, to Fred Hoiberg over the last two years, he's a huge fan of Thor. But is Thor ready for college to be over to get back to Europe, do all that? I I don't know. Don't know Thor well enough to know what's in his mind, but there'll certainly be a lot of movement, I think, still in the spring with a basketball roster. Not as much in the la- as the last two off-seasons, because I think they're going to have a core of these guys back for next year, which I think is really exciting and is going to help them get off to a much better start next November when they start playing games again that, that count. If you have uh, some thoughts about Husker Hoops, love to hear them at 531-500-4686. You can dial us up on our Sports Nightly Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service experience the difference purchase with confidence the women's run ended earlier today but boy did they push top seed maryland it ended up being a 10-point loss it was a much tighter game than that huskers were hanging right in there sam hybe was terrific in that game they now await postseason play as matt Cotney told us the other night when we had him on it looks like they're going to get an invite to the wnit we'll learn about that next early next week but I really felt, and I told somebody this earlier today, Ben, I really feel like Amy Williams and that staff got about as much out of that team as they could. And, again, it's a 500 record, and I get that, and there were frustrating games, but they beat some good teams throughout the year. They were in a ton of games, and they looked like they belonged today on that court with Maryland. So when I judge a coach, are they getting as much out of the teams as they can? I checked that box emphatically for Amy Williams and their staff with what they did with the 2020-2021 Husker women's team. Yeah, I mean, they showed an incredible fight, right? I mean, to me, and, and I've said this all year pretty much, is that trip to Michigan, I think they they found they learned something about themselves, that they could compete in this league. And, and really from then on, they had a really nice stretch, uh, built a lot of confidence, and, you know, I think that – contributed to the rest of their season with with how they played and it's a bummer how today ended they had the lead in the fourth quarter 
and unfortunately, you know, a couple things didn't bounce their way. Uh, Maryland went on a nice run there to, to pull away, but you have to give a lot of credit to Coach Williams for bringing this team together, a lot of newcomers on this team as well, and, and just kind of piecing it together night by night and, you know, showing a lot of really impressive things on the floor. So I understand their disappointment um, today, losing to the number one seed, Maryland, when they, they really played a good game. Mm-hmm. I mean, when Hybee kind of banked in that half-court shot, you thought this might be the Huskers' day. And unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. Maryland's a really good team. They're their number one seed for a reason. Um, but just a, an unbelievable effort from them. And you wish that effort would have been rewarded today with a win. Unfortunately, uh, just wasn't the case. So the women, we believe, will will play again in the WNIT. The men's season is over uh, with the loss last night in Indianapolis. Delighted to welcome to the program, good friend of the program, Brian Christofferson of Huskers 24-7 Sports. BC, uh, where does the month of March rank for you in your enjoyment of sports? Pretty high? Number one? Uh, not number one. Um, I haven't done this in a while. I mean, I, I got to go September as my number Do one. Do you? Because I'm just so college, yeah, college football oriented, and I just feel like when it starts to take off, um, it just brings joy to my heart. Um, March is up there, though, with March Madness. It would be in the top. Oh, man, it would be in the top two or three. It would, April's pretty good. I mean, April, in normal years, you get your Masters, you get your Final Four in there. Yeah, Major, uh, Major know, League Baseball. Yeah, I think April might be better than March, but, it, but um, that first – that first week of the tournament, that first weekend of the NCAA tournament, uh, top two or three in sports, no question. I, I I like March for a lot of reasons. One of them is just because the weather gets better. We start getting more better days than bad days, and that makes me feel better. And then you mix in the basketball, and it's pretty good. But you're out on April. April's an underrated month for sports because of all the things that you outlined there. Well, we all hope that, that Husker basketball would have lasted longer than last night. Um, but did you did you, do you think we saw a glimpse of what what Fred Hoiberg's teams could look like if he gets the right parts in here with what this team did the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I think so. I think they they showed that like right now they're fit to be a formidable foe to their opponents for like twenty five to thirty minutes. It feels like, but they're not, they don't have they don't quite have the horses yet. Um, to, to go the distance. And, and part of that is, you know, they played 14 games in 30 days in the, yeah. in the end of the regular season. I mean, it was just, it's just like every other night they're going to compete. And I thought Fred Hoiberg made an interesting point last night. They've had 40 less practices this season than they had last season. And you talk about a young team like they have where you're trying to get the parts to work together. I mean, you you need that time on the court where you're not playing in games, where you're just working with each other and figuring each other out, and they just didn't have it. And, you know, you get halfway through your season sort of, and there's this, it gets disrupted, and then you got to just keep playing and playing, and you're playing in the best conference in the country. It was sort of set up to fail record-wise uh, in a pretty big way. And I remember when they came out of the pause, 
um, after their three, three and a half week pause or whatever it was. And there's people who say they are going to win a game. I, I mean, I, there's a lot of people around me saying that and that they won a few and they were competitive and, you know, they, they had Illinois, a top five, top 10 team, right where they wanted them and lost in overtime. Uh, but there are some things you got to clean up. Obviously uh, they get a little careless with the ball for stretches at a time. And it, it's, it's kind of eliminating those like four or five minutes of just really woeful basketball that seemed to creep into every game and sort of, uh, you know, put them in a, in the ditch. And that's what happened last night. You know, you play a great first half and you give it away in about 67 seconds. Uh, you know, uh, Penn state goes on a NATO run and almost erases what all that you earned. That That's the part uh, where you you got to find some answers. BC, what what should give Husker fans optimism looking to next year, year three for the Hoiberg group here in Lincoln? Well, you know, I'll bring up actually Minnesota football. This is going to seem weird, but PJ Fleck talked about when he got there, year zero and year one, yep. and I always kind of scoffed at it. I thought oh, that's kind of ridiculous. That's a that's a nice excuse to you know to call your first year year zero. Uh, doesn't even count. But when Fred Hoiberg got here, and as I watched it in front of me, I thought that is the definition of a year zero. It's like yeah. I, it's like I gotta, I gotta put a team on the floor. I just gotta put some guys out there, and we gotta play a season. And I'm gonna have to throw this roster together quickly. We'll, we'll analyze it as we go. That, that was really, that was really put together on the fly, and because they, they had no other choice to get a, a team together, more or less, and. They evaluated it, and I think they found out after that year zero or whatever you want to call it uh, that they didn't quite have the parts they needed. And so basically they had to do an extreme makeover. And now I think the optimism is that there is going to be some roster movement. There's no question about that. There always is in college sports now. But I do think he's got four, five, six guys where he feels like he's got a ground floor now. You know what I mean? Like some guys who they now have gone through the Big Ten, the hardest conference there is. They've played all these games like an NBA-type schedule. They took their lumps, but now they should be better for it. Uh, They get more practice time together. And then you add what is believed to be a really good recruiting class with one of the top prospects ratings-wise Nebraska's ever had in Bryce McGowan. And, yeah, that's a lot of hype on a young guy, but that's just part of the deal. And so, you know, let's see where they go. I And I do think it's going to help them, Greg, that, you know, hopefully there's going to be fans in PBA again next year. And I think there's a couple games this year Nebraska is in at home where they lost, where, you know, if you have 12,000 people behind you in the arena and putting some heat on the refs and all that stuff, maybe those outcomes are different. So I think all of that can help. Absolutely. Brian Christofferson with us here on Sports Honey from Huskers 24-7. Uh, let's switch to football. They finally popped the bubble of getting a commit for the 2022 class. Uh, how about what your thoughts about that young man are, and where are they right now in recruiting? Should we be concerned that they only have the one so far? Well, I don't think so. Um, you know, it. a lot of kids are – not sure what to do right now because they don't know when the recruiting dead period is going to end. So a lot of guys have been kind of holding off, you know, because they want to see, am I going to be able to make some summer visits before making my decision? And so not everybody's raising their hand right now. I mean, obviously you don't want to get too far behind, but I've, I've played this game long enough to know that, that this happens 
it seems like pretty routinely where there will be this stretch where people always ask, what's going on? When are they going to end this drought? When are they going to get a couple guys? And then it just sort of happens, boom, boom, boom. And usually it ends up okay. Uh, there have been a few recruiting cycles I've covered where Nebraska's been in scramble mode, but I don't think this staff has been in that case really. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt at this point. Um, Ernest Hausman, uh, the young man who committed, you know, prior to Columbus, um, cool story. Um, you know, he, he came to the United States, I think, when he was like five years old. Um, he's a very good athlete. Like, if you look at his film, he's a linebacker, and that's what he's going to play in college, but he, he's a pretty good wide receiver, too, and makes some great catches. And, you know, the way he can turn on the football is pretty impressive. So he's a guy I think – it seems like he's slotted to be an inside linebacker with Nebraska, but he shows, you know, traits that he could be an outside linebacker too. So one of those guys where you can kind of get here and like a ball of clay kind of work with it. And I, I think turn into a pretty good player. And also I think it's good that he's an in-state guy because there was some kind of hand wringing when a couple of in-state prospects recently didn't put Nebraska in their top five. And those are good players, but, you know, you're not going to get them all. But it, it's good to kind of, from a perception standpoint, to get a local guy to kind of get the ball rolling. Well, we're, we're, it's it's odd. Usually by now, Husker football is has had a couple of spring practices. That's been pushed back. We're still a couple of weeks away. you got some schools, Purdue, I think, is getting close to wrapping their spring practices up. Huskers have not started, won't start for a few more weeks uh, with a different calendar. What did you make – Brian, of the Big Ten's announcement earlier this week about handing over authority for Big Ten championships to the local health authorities, and what do you think that maybe means for the fall for Husker football and folks coming through the gates at Memorial Stadium? Well, I mean, I I hope by that point that we're we're feeling like uh, we can be around each other a little bit more as, as, you know, more people get their vaccines and stuff like that, and um, you know, I, it seems to me, and I, I'm an amateur at this topic, but it seems like we're pointed toward a more normal football season. And I, I mean that not just starting on time, but I, it sort of feels like by that point, I think the public is going to be like, let's go, let's, uh, let's kind of get back to the routine. And so I'm sort of expecting it to be kind of business as usual by that point. Now we'll see. I mean, we'll see where we're at in a couple months and, there's, I don't, I don't get paid enough to, to even have to be close to those type of decisions. But um, I, I do think we're kind of headed that way. I mean, even when you see the Big Ten this week, you know, opening up the, the Big Ten basketball tournament and putting some folks in the stands, uh, that seems to be, you know, tipping toward a certain direction of, of getting back to that. Now, I'd like to see it a little bit with, with baseball. Um, you know, I'd, li- I'd like to see um, some, some folks be able to get in the stands. I think you could spread people out and that could work. But um, I think by the football season, that's sort of going to be that, that there's going to be that line in the sand and it's going to happen right about then when people say, uh, all right, let's kind of get back to it. Um, and, you know, Major League Baseball, what they do, you know, with fans, and if, if that's sort of successful and it's, everything's tracking right, that, that can also give some evidence that, that we could be ready to roll again. Yeah, I sure hope so. I mean, it's uh, I, I talked to a few couple Husker volleyball fans today, Brian, and, and they're so frustrated because they're seeing the images this week and last week from PBA with the state girls and now state boys tournaments, and they're going, goodness gracious. 
and we can't get yeah. we can't get a handful into to the Devaney Center to watch some great matches this weekend with Ohio State. It's it's really hard for fans to see some of these places doing some having folks in there, and then the beloved Huskers you can't you can't go watch them. It's it's tough on folks. Yeah, well, I mean, some of this let's let's face it comes down to personal opinion. I mean, I'm sort of at that point personally, and I can speak for me where I, it's sort of like. I think it, you know, if people are safe and doing things the right way, I, I do think we got to start getting back to normal pretty soon. Um, and uh, you know, we can do that in a safe manner, and we can we can analyze, you know, if things are tracking the wrong way. But that that's sort of my my personal right. opinion. And you know, I know I know there's some people who who don't feel comfortable yet, and that's fine too. You know, mm-hmm. like and that's sure. it's, 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 everybody's called to sort of do what is right for them. But there is a point. Uh, that we are going to reach soon, I think. And I, I think even people at, at the top of these decisions are feeling like it's aiming that way, where by the time we get to the fall um, and football season, I, I think we're going to see uh, what we've kind of always known. But uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'll be wrong on that, but I, it feels like we're sort of we're, we're sledding that way at least. The, these athletic departments need it, don't they? I mean, I don't know if they could go through another year of limited to no attendance. I, I, I think these, a lot of these places would be in serious trouble, don't you? Well, yeah, and um, a lot of local businesses, as you know, that, that oh, thrive yeah. in, in college towns, and it's not just Lincoln, Nebraska. I mean, we you visit them all the time, and, and um, businesses, I mean, they make more money um, in seven to eight weeks of, you know, having football in town than they do the rest of the year. I know that's true downtown for a lot of businesses. Like, there's a seven home games every weekend, and that will make them more money than the rest of the year combined. And, uh, you know, that was taken out of their coffers this, this past year, and, you know, there was reason for it last year. But I, I think there's a point where for, for a not just for the good of athletic departments, but for, you know, the well-being of, of communities around those, I, I think uh, you kind of got to get back to normal. No doubt. Brian, we appreciate it. Always enjoy the chat. Uh, enjoy your, your third or fourth favorite month, and, and we'll get it to April soon enough, and you can really have fun then. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'll think about that next time. I'm in, I'll have a, a better uh, – <laughs> I'll draw out the rankings a little better. Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, thank you. Here we are back for hour two of our Thursday night show on the Husker Sports Network. So glad you're with us here tonight. Coming up this hour, we're going to hear from the head baseball coach, Will Bolt, with a media conference yesterday. The Huskers bus to Minneapolis today. They'll play the the Ohio State Buckeyes tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Pre-game coverage at 2.30 with Ben and Nick Hanley on the call of the games here this weekend. Then later in the hour, we are going to reminisce a little bit about 365 days ago, March 11th, 2020, is when it all came to a screeching halt. And we're going to have Josh and, and Ben all talk about their thoughts about the day, and then we'll play a snippet of our latest Husker Sports Originals podcast about the day that, that the sports world came to a screeching halt and how it affected Husker athletics. So we'll play that for you coming up later on in the hour. But uh, Ben, the head coach, has to be happy, right? Goes 3-1 in the opening weekend against Purdue. A lot of positive things happened down in Round Rock last week. Yeah, I do have been thrilled with the effort uh, with the boys coming back from that heartbreaker on, on Friday to get, get two on Saturday and then uh, finish it up with a win on Sunday. So... I would imagine he's in a good headspace as they head up to Minneapolis, met with 
members of the media yesterday, and the first question he was asked was about how his team handled their roles there in the opening weekend against Purdue. I thought our um, guys handled the situation pretty well. Um, we, the big part of it was on on Saturday, um, on the doubleheader day, we got two really good starts. Uh, so that that allowed us to kind of hit the reset button a little bit, knowing that we'd go into Sunday and w- want to use a bunch of guys and, and have some guys that we needed to see, but also we felt like we're going to be good matchups and help us win. So um, it ended up working out. Ex- I mean, honestly, the way we drew it up on Sunday, we knew, you know, Buns was going to be fairly limited. Hopefully we get off to a good start with him. And we knew that there's going to be a ton of guys that we were going to throw from that point forward. And, um you know, I thought they handled themselves well. Um, all the newcomers uh, didn't really blink at the situation at all. Um, some of the guys that maybe had limited roles last year, um, I thought came in and, and did a nice job. I think Diedrich uh, really did a nice job there, um, right behind Buns, just getting us, giving us a, a, some stable inning, an inning there, and then handed it off to the, to the next group of guys. That was impressive to me on Sunday, Greg. A lot of times we see that in the midweek where a bunch of guys are thrown out there and really it only takes one guy to be off for the whole game to get thrown off kilter. But every single one that brought was brought in was, was sharp and did their job. Seven different pitchers and you still throw a shutout? That's really impressive. And, you know, I, I just keep going back to the last 16 innings of that weekend was shutout ball by that pitching staff. It was really impressive what they did. The only bump was really that Cade Povich wasn't very sharp, and I'm not that concerned about Cade. I think he'll be – I bet he comes back and bounces back in a big way tomorrow when you see him pitch against Ohio State. So that was really maybe the only bump. You could maybe say Max Schreiber uh, didn't have his best – weekend because he he got multiple innings in the friday and sunday's game but but still even even he got a big double play ball to get him out of one of the innings that that he was working so yeah a lot of times it doesn't go as you plan it did sunday for for this staff coach bolt was talking a little bit there about uh some of the newcomers we'll start first with the freshmen you got to specify because newcomers a lot of different varieties now um had had some freshmen that had some big weekends for him what did coach bolt think of the freshmen and specifically their mindset in their first weekend in college. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it takes a combination of talent, um, mindset, uh, preparation, and you got to have a good swing too. That, that helps. Um, cause that, that it gives you a lot of margin for error with a lot of different types of pitches and velocities and locations. Um, you know, all those things play into it, and, and we felt really comfortable. I mean, we had um, a right, whole freshman right side of the infield on Sunday on a game where we need to go win a series and felt good about it. Um, those guys are mature. Um, they're, they're cut from a different cloth. Um, we haven't seen them let any situation get too big for them um, at any point in time that they've been here. And, um, you know, throwing those guys into the fire and seeing, seeing them respond the way they did, um, was very impressive but um you know it's there's there's going to be the failure involved as well um and you know i i expect those guys to handle it with the maturity that they've shown so far but yeah it's a it's a i mean max hitting a home run in his first at bat and then continuing to collect hits um over the course of the weekend and then what i loved was he took his walks on sunday um he's an aggressive hitter uh, but they were kind of pitching around him a little bit there and um, he took his walks so um you know, just very mature approaches up and down. 
he took his walks, which was great to see. And, and, you know, handling failure coach talked about there, it's, it's hard to take much of it in a four game sample size, but you know, Bryce had the single up the middle in his first at bat, then I think struck out in like six of his next eight at bats um, and, and didn't have another hit until Sunday. And then he busted loose for four RBIs on Sunday. So he dealt with that a little bit of, of not having a ton of success other than that first game. And to the coach's credit, they stuck with them. They they trusted what they saw in the fall, put him in the lineup all four games, and and that you know it, the third game of the series he took off, and that was great to see. And you know I think these guys are going to be a big part of um, big part of what Nebraska does offensively for a long time. You you can't help but be encouraged what what you saw from that freshman class in the opening weekend. It was just quality at bats, mature at bats. Um, and, and I agree with Coach Bolt. I think maybe the most impressive thing, and this is hard to say because he had hit, hit doubles and homers, but he didn't go up there hacking away. And I'm talking about Max Anderson. He, he went up there and he wasn't getting strikes. And he's like, I'm not going to just give you an out. I, if you're going to give me a base, I'll take the base. And, and that's a great thing. And, and I know my guys behind me are going to pick me up. And so by doing that, I mean, I can imagine that Ohio State and Iowa, when they studied Max Anderson, are probably like, Phew, how are we going to pitch this guy? Because right now he lays off stuff out of the zone, and when it's in the zone, he's pounded it. It wasn't just freshmen that were impressive. There were junior college players that were um, expected to come in here and have an impact right away. Guys that, you know, that they were recruited here for a reason. Get on the field right away and, and help this team win. Um, what does Coach Bolt see in the junior college players and what they bring to the table? I think the thing that all those guys bring to the table is a, a selflessness. Um, they're just willing to do what it takes um, to help the team. I mean, you got a guy like Efry lays down two sack bunts in one game, and he's fired up, you know, to get the bunts down to, to set up a chance to, to a scoring opportunity for the team. And, and Everett, we ask him to put down a bunt. Um, probably something he hasn't done a whole lot of in his career up to this point and, and gets it done and is, is excited to to get it done for the team. And, um, you know, Efry, we're going to move all over the field um, defensively and he's not going to ask questions. He's just going to go do what it takes. And um, I think that's just a big part of it is just um, the group of guys that we have are willing to sacrifice to do what it takes to for the betterment of the team. And when you're going through the process of recruiting, the talent's obviously got to be there. You feel like, you know, they got to have a, the talent to help you win, but then the intangibles come into play as well. You know, what is, what does it look like day to day for them? Are they hard workers? Are they, are they willing to, um, to sacrifice for the team basically? And, and all those guys up to this point have shown that, uh, you know, it may not be perfect all the time. Um, they're going to work hard. They're going to play hard and they're going to play for their teammates. And that's, that's a, that's a huge part of it. That will continue to be the case, not just for the position players, but the pitchers as well from the junior college level. We were really excited to watch Luis Alvarado pitch back in the day because we, we had kept hearing about it and how, how good he was. But I don't know that we were as excited about Luis as at least I was. I want to speak for you with Spencer Schwellenbach. I mean, um, he was recruited here as a two-way player, wanted to, wanted to pitch right out of the gate, had some arm issues, of course, had the elbow issue after uh clean up surgery after his freshman season and and finally uh, he's getting turned loose on the mound and boy was it up to the expectations and some was it up to the expectations of the coach when he saw spencer schwellenbach out there for the first time 
Yeah, um, that's what we've seen. I mean, every time he's taken the ball, he's a strike thrower. He's got three pitches, um, fastball command. Um, it looks it just an effortless delivery. I mean, it's a repeatable delivery from a good athlete with a great arm. And, yeah, that's – I mean, it's no, no different than what we've seen each time he's taken the ball just in scrimmages and live situations. It's just um, – he just – he throws the ball over the plate with good stuff. I mean, that that's what you want at the end of the game. Plus, he, plus he's one of the better athletes on the field, so fielding his position is not going to be an issue either and holding runners and, and that type of thing. So, um, you know, we, again, we just – with him, he's, a, you know, playing shortstop um, and, and it does that at an extremely high level and he's very valuable there for us. So we just got to – we got to continue to um, take care of his arm. And he's, you know, he's honest with us about how he feels and – um, but, I mean, he's certainly a guy that you feel comfortable with uh, finishing games. Greg, I've had two former players that have played with uh, Schwelly in, in the past reach out to me this week asking about 97, if it was real, if the gun was too hot, you know, what what was the deal with Schwellenbach out there pitching? <laughs> and I had to tell him it's, it's real. This is a live arm. And... You know, I was really excited to watch him pitch. I know you were too, and I'm a little more excited now having having seen what he did. If anything, it was an easy 97, right? It wasn't like he's huffing and puffing and yelling, letting out a scream after he lets it go. It seemed kind of easy for him. I, I saw some number over the weekend, and I'm not going to get it exactly right, Ben, but something like 48 pitchers so far this season in college baseball have top 95 does that sound right? Something like that? 48 yeah, or 50 or something imagine. like that? that sounds about right. Well, two of them are Huskers because Cam Wynn was sitting 95. And then Spencer. I mean, we've not seen this kind of velocity out of a Husker pitching staff in, in my 13 years of calling these games. You might have one guy, Kobe Gomez, the last couple of years would get it up there in that range, 94, whatever. But Cam Wynn, 95, Spencer, 97. So, yeah, it was it was incredible. Yeah, pretty amazing to watch. This weekend, a little different than that last weekend. Four games against the Boilers last week, two each against the Buckeyes and the Hawkeyes beginning tomorrow. Uh, Coach Bold talked about preparing for two different teams in one weekend. Yeah, they're both have very talented rosters, uh, very veteran rosters. Again, that's going to be a theme. Um, just a lot of returning players and a lot of really good returning players. Um, you know, Ohio State's got a ton of power arms. Um, they, you know, Iowa seems to be a team that's going to have, when it's all said and done, they're going to hit for a ton of power up and down their lineup. Um, Ohio State is, um, you know, they've got dynamic freshmen in their lineup, um, but they're veteran, you know, as well. And it's just, they're, they're, they're probably two of the more talented teams um, and rosters and experience uh, in our entire league. Uh, but yeah, playing two different teams too. I mean, you're just, you're looking at two different scouting reports and, and trying to prepare that way. And, you know, you got, you got only a certain amount of time to get that done. And so, um, yeah, it's it's not what we're used to, um, but again, we've we've been adaptable. We knew we knew what we were when they announced the schedule that that was going to be what it, what we needed to be prepared for, and um, you know we'll we put the work in from a scouting standpoint um, the last few days, so um, we'll be prepared on Friday. Head coach, following the press conference yesterday, ahead of four games for the Big Red beginning tomorrow in. 
Minneapolis. My sense, and maybe you're different on this, my sense is Ohio State's pretty solid. Iowa, I think, solid, but I think I would put uh, in the pecking order the Buckeyes a little higher than the Hawkeyes at this point in time. And and Iowa had to play Michigan. I mean, that, that's a load to open the season with, but I think the frontline starters for Ohio State are better than Iowa. Now, a break that the Huskers get tomorrow, Ben, is that those two play each other at 11, and then Nebraska gets to play Ohio State in their second game of the day. Now, you could say they're, they're kind of into the groove and all that, but you're not going to get their ace. You're going to get their number two, and their number two is really good, so it's not like it's a huge break there. But uh, that'll be a little, little different than Nebraska will play the Buckeyes playing their second game of the day where the Huskers should come to the ballpark fresh and ready to roll. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a little different for sure. Um, that, that'll be the case, though, on Sunday as Nebraska will play two back-to-back, and, and each team, right. either team will only play one. So, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how these pitching matchups go. Um, Ohio State has probably the best uh, depth and overall talent at the starting pos- pit- pitcher position in the league, I would say. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. They return all three guys in the rotation. All three guys will be drafted or have already been drafted in their careers. Um Michigan's guys are still really good. They just don't quite have the experience as the Ohio State guys do. Now, the Buckeyes are a little more inexperienced uh, in the lineup. Not to say they're not talented. They are talented, but a lot of young players um, that you haven't really heard of. It's not the same team that won the Big Ten championship a couple of year, years ago. Um, you know, there's 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 a lot of, you know, different parts to that lineup that um, – that carried that Big Ten championship team. Canzona's gone. Brady Cherry's gone. There's a lot of you know players that were on that team that did a lot of damage for the Buckeyes that are no longer on the roster. But their their front line pitching is very very good. Just ask Illinois. Start times all over the board. Three o'clock tomorrow against Ohio State. Cade Povich will start for Nebraska. Nine a.m. Saturday morning. Iowa's the opponent on Saturday. Chance Roach makes that start, and then the doubleheader back to back nine inning games on Sunday. 10 a.m. starts with Ohio State. Shea Shanneman gets the ball in that game, and then Jake Buns will get his second start against Iowa in the final game of the weekend for the Cornhuskers. Ben and Nick Hanley will have the call all weekend long, 2.30 tomorrow for pregame coverage here on the network. We drop today another Husker Sports Network Originals podcast presented by JTEC Construction inside the 48 hours that transformed Sports as we hit the one-year anniversary of this whole worldwide pandemic. Here's a here's a, a, a little listen to what you get if you go listen to the entire podcast. I wasn't feeling great. This was right at the beginning uh, of the pandemic. I certainly wasn't paying, as probably looking back on it, as much attention as I should have. The voice you're hearing belongs to Nebraska basketball coach Fred Hoiberg, who spoke to us about what he went through that day, March 11th, 2020. I, you know, would hear things. Uh, on the news or hear my wife or family talking about it. Uh, so I went into that game, and it's kind of the time of year every year uh, where I start feeling a little under the weather, and generally it's a cold or uh, you know something like that, and that's kind of what it felt like. So I went and saw the doctor. I, I talked to RJ, our trainer, and you know he suggested that I see the on-site doctor. So I went and talked to him, and you know at that time, really it was kind of considered a virus that really hit the lungs. So he listened to um, my heart, my lungs, and then he did a chest X-ray, and he said, "You're completely clear. Uh, you're fine to coach." So you know I just 
took his word, figured he knew a lot more about it than I did, and, and went out and coached the game. There wasn't anything too weird before our game started. There was a game going on before us. We were the second game of that first night, and while that game was going on, went back into the media room and grabbed some lunch or grabbed some uh, dinner, some food, and talked to some other media members. And honestly, the idea of COVID and the the tournament not happening wasn't even talked about. Like it wasn't even a, a topic of conversation. There were a lot of other things. Like honestly, we talked more about the the football players possibly playing in a basketball game more than than COVID. But then at some point, I believe it was during that first game while we were waiting for the Huskers to play Indiana, they came over the loudspeakers. The public address announcer came on and made the announcement that the next day of games at the Big Ten tournament was going to be family members only. They were, weren't going to allow fans. And so I remember that very specifically because the reaction from the crowd was just, you know, booing and people yelling and you could just tell the unrest in the crowd of when that came over the loudspeakers. And they made that announcement multiple times throughout the night, through that first game and then during Nebraska's game as well, um, saying that there weren't going to be fans allowed in the stands the next day. Um, so, so as you were sitting there, um, you yeah. know, how much of the uh, the news, were, the national landscape, were you able to keep track of in terms of the NBA learning that they had to pause, you know, the, the entire league, um, even Tom yeah. Hanks uh, getting the, the COVID diagnosis? How much of that were you able to follow from where you were at? Sure. I remember kind of keeping track of it on, on Twitter a little bit, but honestly, uh, you, Tim, were the first one that told me about the NBA game getting canceled between the Jazz and the Thunder. The game tonight has been postponed. You are all safe. And take your time in leaving the arena tonight and do so in an orderly fashion. Thank you for coming out tonight. You told me that, and then, like, maybe a couple minutes later, um, I think it was maybe during halftime of the Huskers game that a tournament official came over and told Kent and Jake and myself that that news about the, the NBA game getting canceled and just how big of a deal that was. Like, that was the first time where, I mean, the, the other things that I had talked about were kind of lead-ups to that, but when when a game was actually canceled and a big game in the NBA at that, and then, you know, that's when I started paying attention to social media and the talks of, well, now they're talking about putting uh, the NBA on a, you know, a pause and not playing games for a couple weeks. And, you know, all the news that started coming out, and that's when I think it started to kind of, the game itself started to kind of take a, a back seat, and at least until some other things happened later in the game. Well, speaking of that, the, the game itself, it was pretty bizarre to say the least. You had Nebraska using a pair of football players to fill in, Brant Banks and Noah Vedrill. Left side, we're going to see the football guys come in. I love Noah, it. Noah Vedrill and Brant Banks are going to check in. Oscar fans uh, and the Indiana fans cheering that time out on the floor with 56.3 seconds left. So. I will tell you what though, Banks going to the free throw line, I bet he hasn't been that nervous in quite a while. Yeah. I mean, 
You know, you, you never have that kind of pressure as an offensive lineman. You yeah. know what I mean? There's no yeah. analogy to that. And you talk about, you talk about, uh, <laughs> you know, everybody was getting on the team and we went 8 of 30 against Northwestern. It's a different thing when you go out there. I don't know how many people are here. What, 8,000 people here maybe? It's just different. Well, there's part of our newest sport, Husker Sports Originals podcast about the 48 hours that, that changed the sports world. So uh, I encourage you to go listen to the entire thing. It was a good little representation of that. I do have time to tell you here to buckle up and put the phone down. It's a reminder from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. I want to pull Josh and Ben into this now. Josh, you really were at the epicenter. You were at one of the last sporting events that took place in that, that Husker basketball game. Um, the emotions going through you, were you nervous? Were you scared? Well, I mean, what, what, how, how, would you, how would you notate your, your emotions that well, night? There are a lot of different emotions is how I would describe it because you know, like you kind of heard there during that little snippet, I, I, I didn't really understand the seriousness of it beforehand. I thought that it was going to be a lot slower point to where we would get to you know, not having games. And I really didn't think that coach being sick was a big deal. But then when he left, obviously that really spiked my worries. And then after the game, when they were talking about, you know, the team being quarantined in the locker room, and I know that you you talked with Ken about this last night, it was such a weird feeling because we didn't know what to do. Like we, we were sitting just out on the court for a good 30 to 40 minutes after the game ended and we're waiting for instruction and then eventually we just went back to the team hotel but yeah it, it was a wide range of emotions for sure and um yeah a, a night that i won't ever forget mm, crazy so that was wednesday night ben thursday morning you and i get in a rental car we're headed to wichita we had a sports nightly to do that night because the huskers lost in hoops on on the night before so we knew we had to do a full show husker baseball was set to open a four-game series with wichita state on Friday afternoon, and we get we're south of York when you're on your phone going, Greg, they're canceling everything, and then we got official word that that the baseball had been postponed. How, what, what jumps out at you when you think back to that 365 days ago? I I think the biggest thing that that I remember is just it's it's like any time that something huge happens, but it, it, that was so so big. And the the feeling that I had was, like, this is so big, nobody knows what the impact is going to be yet. Like, I mean, literally every refresh of the Twitter page, something else was affected, right? Then for, And then it was golf, and then it was NASCAR, and then it was, you know, the rest of the NBA season, and then Major League Spring Training. And, you know, every time you, you refresh, there was another league getting canceled, and it, it was almost like, you're in high school and the weather's bad and you're waiting for your school to pop up to cancel school. I mean, that's almost what it was like. And um, the other thing I remember is once we finally did turn around was when we were driving back to Lincoln, you and I were trying to wrap, wrap our heads around what our day-to-day lives were going to be like. You know, we host a sports talk show and that essentially ended sports for, we didn't know how long. And so there was that aspect. There was the aspect of just staying safe and, and not knowing anything about this virus and, you know, worry with Coach Hoiberg, worry about, you know, we we knew nothing about what was going on. Um, and that's what I remember most. I remember sitting in our conference room then um, doing that sports nightly. I remember that very vividly. 
just trying to make sense of it all. And, you know, the other thing that I remember is a couple of our baseball players reached out to me about, you know, what do I know about eligibility? What do I know about, you know, then there were all those questions that we couldn't, we, you couldn't even address that at that point. Like we, we needed another week to two weeks of just what is this thing? What's going on? How long is it affected before all that other stuff kind of came with it? Um, that I just I, I like Josh said you know from his standpoint I remember calling Josh the, the day before and texting back and forth just trying to get an idea of what was going on like Josh said I'll never forget it I'll never forget that I don't even know how far we drove past York it, it couldn't have been very far maybe 20 minutes past York but that drive I will never forget because we were sitting in a car wondering what was going to happen with <laughs> with sports nightly with you know, how are we going to get by day to day with, with no sports? It, it was just an absolute crazy feeling relaying all that information. Cause you were driving and I, and I was just yep. the one re- passing along all the information to you. Yeah. Cause I do not text and drive. I, I do not do that. Um, you know, I was I, uh, maybe a little naive because I think when it was kind of going down in those couple of days, I'm like, Ah, what are we? What, we're going to stall this for what? Three weeks. We get back going by April first. We'll get this thing under control. And nowhere in my wildest imaginations did I think we would be without seeing a Husker team compete again until late October. Nowhere, no way did I think that was going to happen. And I remember, you know, the SEC. I think in baseball said they were putting a halt through the end of the month and they would reevaluate April first. I'm like, yeah, that that makes some sense to me. And then. And then the College World Series gets banged, and I'm like, wait a minute. Come on, we're going to have this thing dealt with by June, right? Aren't we? I mean, we get all sci- we get the best scientists in the world dealing with this thing. So I, I guess I was a little naive that we were going to get this thing turned around pretty quick, and that wasn't obviously the, the case, at least for collegiate sports at Nebraska. Yeah, and it, and it was – I remember I had to do the uh, the athletic director show with Bill Moose not even a week after it happened, and – it was such a weird interview to me because there were so many questions I wanted to ask, but at the same time, what do you ask? You know, because yeah. at that time nobody had the answers. You know, like they—he was telling us that they were—he were—they were in meetings all day every day. But it's like, what do you, what do you figure out? You know, like what, what do you what do you do about it? You know, and it was it was such a weird week, right? I mean, of course we're used to it now. Um, you know, we've had this set up for almost a year. That's that's insane to me that. Yep. You know, we've flipped an entire calendar worth of, of pages and we're still in the same situation, but I'll never forget that feeling. I'll never forget that car ride. I'll never forget the night before with Husker hoops. And, um, man, I mean, it was, we all, we all never took for granted again, sports. I mean, I, for crying out loud, I was staying up till 2 AM watching Korean league baseball. <laughs> like that's, that's how bad I, I wanted sports in our lives. And, um, I think we all realized that that love sports, you know, what we were missing when it was taken away from us. Uh, it, it has been an unbelievable 12 months that we will talk about the rest of our lives. We'll tell our grandkids. Our grandkids will see it through our eyes in, in some day. It's that kind of a worldwide impact is what we have been through. It's a great lesson. Go download it wherever you get podcasts and listen to it. We, we dropped it earlier today. There's a lot of stuff in there for you to go, go pick through as well. It's time for face-off. They score the face-off! Let's go. Mano a mano. You, me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, 
Greg Sharp and Austin Orman. Earlier today at 151, I got a text from Austin. Love these questions. Ooh. All right, Austin? I did. I can't confirm that I did text you that. I can confirm that I do love these questions. I think these are questions that both our contestants will have an equal shot at answering. I think they'll be informative for our audience, and I think they'll be fun for us to ask. That's just your classic win-win-win situation, oh. if you ask me, Greg. I am Jeez. tingling. Tingling with excitement, boys. Man. Josh is uh, not so much. I'm so for, nervous. <laughs> for the record, boys, I went down to, to, to grab some stuff out of the office about a week ago. Yep. And Tim was adamant that I take the face-off <laughs> trophy. trophy I mean, it's yours. <laughs> and I said... Are we sure this is a good idea? Because I don't know when I'm going to be back, and if I lose this week, it doesn't belong to me anymore. Yeah. So not only do I have the pressure of not losing 0-2, I got the pressure of this stupid trophy staring <laughs> me in the face as I uh, as I participate tonight. Technic- well, it's have, not motivation. You have Husker. You have Husker baseball in a few weeks at Haymarket. You'll be down here for too long. And I was going to say, I it would, the uh, trophy was in here for a couple of weeks where it did not belong. So uh, it's all fair. It all even out. <laughs> if I even end up winning this thing, there's still a long way to go. All right. So to reset, it's best of three. Josh won last week. Ben's been the, the is the defending champion. So uh, Josh can finish him off tonight. So you boys ready? Let's do sure. it. Sure. Okay, question number one. Name the top three Big Ten teams who have won the most Big Ten Josh. basketball tournaments. Josh is up first. Let's start with Michigan State. How about Michigan State? <laughs> mm-hmm. Pass or play? i got to play. There's only so many teams. Uh, what about? There are 14 to be exact. Right. 14 teams to be exact. <laughs> well, let's do uh, Wisconsin. How about Wisconsin. Okay, you've got number one. Michigan State has won the most. They've won six postseason tournaments. Wisconsin is number three at three. So you need the middle one. Okay. Three guesses to get there. Um, let's do Ohio State. How about the Buckeyes? Oh, swept it. They have won four conference titles. There's a handful of schools that have won two, but Michigan State six, Ohio State four, Wisconsin three. All right, Josh wins. I feel like one. I feel like I got a buzz in like after the first word. You you weren't even halfway through <laughs> uh, the 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 question there, and Josh has pounced on it. I was telling Austin earlier that after winning last time, and that was my strategy was to buzz in early. I was going to have an even harder time today. So I'm basically just telling myself to buzz in, even if I really don't. I'm not confident. So, Strategy, mind games. This is the stuff we play face-off for. <sighs> I love it. Well, Greg and I took a similar tact with our first questions. I'll stick with that same men's basketball tournament theme. Name the five venues the men's Big Ten tournament has been played in dating back to 1998. Josh. All right, Josh. Let's start with Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Can we meet Banker's Life Fieldhouse. That is true. What's the Pass date back to win? Through 1998, the year I was born. Um, which, which I think that's when they started, right? They, yes. they were like the last conference to go to a tournament. It's true. <clears throat> All right. Passing or play? Uh, I'll play because I think I can get at least a couple. I, ben will probably steal if I can't get that, if I don't come up with the other ones. 
Um, I'm going to say the United Center in Chicago. The United Center in the Windy City. Those are the two places that I've been for the Big Ten tournament, so that, those are the easy ones. And those are the two places it has been the most. Um, how about um, Madison Square Garden in, in New York? The Mecca of Basketball, man, MSG. True. Now, five. Um, I don't know if this is what it's called, but I know where it was at. The uh, is it the Excel Center in DC? I mean, the Excel Center. Dang it! Not the Excel Center. See, I know Ben has it. So if I can't come up with it, then how many more does he need? He needs two more. And now I've, I've basically run out of guesses. So. Oh, why can't I come up with the, the name of that one? The fifth one I don't have any idea on. Um, I know this isn't right, but how about the uh, garden in Boston? How about TD Garden in Boston? Unfortunately not. You are down to your final strike with two answers on the board. Um, yeah, it's not coming to me. You can just buzz me. I don't have a guess. Guess of a buzzer. All right, Ben. A, a buzzer beater. And tie it up. Yeah. And I should, I should, before I answer, I should say, I did know this, not just because Josh said it was in D.C., but I went yes, to that I one know. And that's DC. why I knew that you were going to know it. Uh, Verizon Center. The in Verizon DC. Center in D.C. for the steal. Is correct. Then so let me add, So that was the fourth one, right? Yep. Yeah. Were you looking for Conseco Fieldhouse? I was looking for no. Lucas Oil Stadium, the site of oh, this year's Big Ten duh. basketball tournament. Well, I was and I didn't know which one to go with because they played at at they did. You're right. At the Fieldhouse before, and so yeah, I didn't know if it was, it was that or yeah, or, or Lucas Oil. So glad I went with the Verizon <laughs> Center because that could have complicated things. That it could have, but we are all tied up one-to-one. Nodded at one. All right, question three. The Huskers had nine wrestlers qualify for next week's NCAA championships. Can you name five? Ben? No. Ben? (laughs) Ben's in. Uh, Taylor Venz? How about Taylor Venz? That is correct. He's at 184. He is one of the nine. You want to play or pass? Uh, oh, I got to play. You don't have um, to. But, well, yeah, I got, I got to. I'm trying to just think of guys that I even know. Um, Chad Red. How about Chad Red? Yep. CJ or Chad? He's at one forty-one. So you've got Vens and Red. <laughs> That's all. There's a lot of them. Seven answers on the board. With no I'm only strength. asking you to get five out of the nine. I mean, I'm, you're leaving guys out there. Um, man. I went easy on um, them, Austin. I went easy on them. Uh, you did. Hmm. How about uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm just – I got some of the last names. I'm just hoping I got the first names right. How about – is it Eric Schultz? About Eric Schultz. Wow. Yeah. The 197. In fact, he's the number two seed at 197. He's got a chance to win it. Okay. Now we're 
now we're getting to the barrel here. Three um, in. You've got three yeah. of nine. You can just you give this one more. to Ben right now because I, <laughs> I would have probably been able to get CJ Red if I had been had long enough, but that I'm struggling. You haven't been in on the nights that we've called Coach Manning recently either. He's talked about some of these guys. I feel like I was on one of them, and I still, and I've seen okay, I follow right. Husker wrestling, and it still is not coming to me. Uh, I think his name's Liam Cronin. How about Liam Cronin? Yeah. 125. He got the at-large bid earlier this week. He did not qualify coming out of the Big Ten to get the at-large. One more, and you close the category. I, I'm, no I'm in trouble here. <laughs> I, I I don't even know if I have a get. You can buzz me for one. Here's here's one buzz. Stop the books. Jordan Burroughs. <laughs> How about Jordan Burroughs? I know he made nationals when he, when he wrestled here. Yes, he did. Did very well. Unfortunately, not a qualifier in next week's nationals. In St. Louis is where they're headed next weekend. I got nothing, boys. I don't have anything either, so you can just buzz us both. Um, no guess, Josh? I'll guess something. Uh... I know that there's a shot perder on the Nebraska track and field squad with the name Burger, but that doesn't help me with wrestling. <laughs> um, see, I think that there's oh, – I can see the name, but I can't come up with anywhere close to a first name. Last name, it won't, won't do it, will it, even if I get it? Commissioner Austin Foreman. Uh, I am far I from. Needs ben Ben gave first name, so I, I feel probably like I probably needs be, to do both. Yeah, first and last I names, I think yeah. that's Ferris at this point. Yep. Yeah, I don't even really have a guess. I'll go with Joe Smith. Joe Smith. <laughs> no. Must have just ben missed the cut. One. Okay, the ones that you missed: Ridge Levitt at one forty-nine, oh, Peyton I, Rob, yeah. Peyton Rob at one sixty-five, mm-hmm. Caleb Licking one fifty-seven, Mikey Labro. Labriola at 174 in the heavyweight Christian lands. Those are your nine. Ben's up 2-1, Austin. Ridge name sounded immediately sounded familiar. All right, Ben up 2-1. Headed to question number four. To Husker baseball, we just had opening weekend last weekend. We heard from the head man, Will Bolt, last hour. But name the six Husker baseball players drafted most recently to appear in a major league baseball game. Ben's in. Um. Wow, I'm just trying to blank. Buzz me. Tim's gonna that's buzz. Oh, that's, that's, that's Tim Curran Memorial buzzer. Buzz, Josh. Uh, Aaron Bummer. Show me Aaron Bummer. Real bummer for you there, Ben. But Josh gets on the. I board. don't want to play though. <laughs> yeah, now, but, now they're all coming but, to me. You have to now. But I have to. Yeah, you're um, obligated to. Strategy from Ben, perhaps? Yeah, seriously. I don't know. Because, <laughs> yeah, I, I do not want to be in this situation where I am on the clock, where he's just sitting there and thinking of all of them. Um, what about Brian Dunsing? Show me a Brian Dunsing. Too far back. Yep, too far back. So there's six. That ha- so is it the most recent uh, draftees or the most recent that have played in a game? Drafted the most recently. Okay. That have played in a major league game. Yes. 
This mm. took some research, Austin, on your part. I was going to say, yeah. this is Thank goodness good for baseballreference.com. They're the homies. Spring training doesn't count, does it? Correct. This is a real, actual, counts in the standings, Major League Baseball game. Ryan Bolt has been playing a lot this spring and for the Rays. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think here. Oh... Yeah, this should be, this should have been Ben's category. You can buzz me again. I'm running out of time. All right, there's a buzz. Got one more strike. Yeah, this is gonna be Ben's category. Pretty easy here. Um. Yeah, nothing's coming to me. Joe Smith again? Yeah. How about <laughs> Joe? <laughs> Joe Jones? How about that? Joe Jones. Alex Gordon. Alex Gordon. Which one? Alex Gordon. Let's Alex go with Gordon. That. Show me a one. Again, not recent enough. So Ben, a chance to steal. Cody Ashy. Show me Cody Ashy for the steal. Cody Ashy and Aaron Bummer, the two most recent draftees, according to my research. The other four: Michael Marriott, Dan Jennings, Thad Weber, and Tony Watson. Tony Watson, I should have gotten. That. Man, Tony Watson, I would have thought would have been. A little far, far back. back. Yeah. yeah well, I agree. yeah, because he would have been about the same as Brian Dunson. About that and same Gordon. time, but yeah. just a tad more recently. Yeah. Ben up wow. 3 1. Austin with a stumper. Ben's up 3 1. I, I immediately went blank when you said Oscar Baseball. I was like, oh yeah. my God. And then, like, the names I got dropped. <laughs> and of course, I, was I came thinking, up like, with... Schreiber and Alvarado. I'm like, these guys did not make it to the big leagues. Right. <laughs> nope. Nope. All right. Here we go. Josh needs to win this question to stay alive. This year's Husker men's team had four players score more than 20 points in a single game. Name all four. Ben. Ben. Teddy Allen. Do we have Teddy Allen? Yeah. Did it eight times. Pass or play? Play. So more than 20. So are we looking for yep. 21 and above? Yes. More than 20. Okay. Delano Banton. How about Delano Banton? No, sir. He didn't. He never hit the twenty-point barrier. Trey McGowan's. How about Trey McGowan's? Yep, he did it one time. I know he hit twenty um, in the last two. Kobe Webster. How about Kobe Webster? Yeah, twice. One answer away from a tie series. Austin, you have those bottom two flip, by the way, just to, so you know. Ah. Ben, ben has answered Trey McGowan's, yes. Kobe Webster, and Teddy Allen so far. Yeah. Um, you got to be careful with my guesses here, too. I already burned one. One strike. Does mean you still have two, though. My math yeah. checks out. That that is That is good math on your part. Yes. Oh, let me think. I don't think he got there. I don't think he got there. Lat Mayen? How about Lat Mayen? <laughs> Boom. Nice. Ben got there is the winner. Half. How about that? Swept Whew. the category. I at least got it to three. I'm That's happy right. about that. Both games were five. Austin said before we started that he wanted to get to six, but yeah, I, I know. couldn't he make it happen. 
He didn't. Can get the other it, two questions that, be pushed one over? Can. Or no? no, one can't. One can. You want to give him the one that can't? Sure, Austin? just for fun. Bonus. I assume that'll be my next one. Yep. Yep. Okay. So, question number six this week. Well, it's a little timely. Eleven teams have already claimed an automatic bid to this year's men's NCAA tournament. Could you name six of them? No. No. <laughs> Gonzaga. Okay, there's yeah. one. Oral yeah. Roberts. Obab yeah. is two. Uh, Loyola. Or not. Yeah, yep. Loyola. Yep. Um, yes. Cleveland State. Yep. Yes. You guys are clicking these off. Yeah, but we're, we're helping each other out. <laughs> we're helping each other, and there's no pressure. You need, uh, you need two of the seven that are left. I believe in you guys. No, I don't believe I'm trying to even think combined. of the conferences that it would be. Yeah. Um... I haven't seen anybody else. Like those are the ones that I've. Yeah, yeah I, I, some I, of these are pretty hard. What are yeah? I, what are the rest? To be honest, so I, we've got Winthrop, Liberty, Drexel, Mount St. Mary's, Moorhead State, UNC Greensboro, and App State. Winthrop, I should yeah. have known. I actually heard somebody talking about them, how good they are this year, the other day. But you guys made some headway. I'll give you part credit for that. Good job. All right. Yeah. That would not. That would not. Whoever buzzed in first would have got that one right. Probably. Yeah. I, see, I was trying to figure out the line of six of eleven was a little high, but I figured just getting about fifty percent seemed fair. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't get to six. To be honest, <laughs> that would have been embarrassing. <laughs> Very good. Question. Ben, congrats. You, you, the trophy is safe for another week. For another week. Pushing for it another to week. Game three. How about that? And and Josh, yeah. Josh worked me over pretty good there. So it's like exactly even, right? Four categories, yeah. four categories. Yeah. yeah, five and five for total questions answered through two rounds. Yeah, and we will have a Thursday show next week, so we will conclude right. this face-off next Thursday night. How about that? Nothing good on TV anymore? Struggling to find something to watch? There's no crying in baseball! Well, we've got you covered. I'm gonna make him an offer he can with you. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. It's time now for Sports Nightly Flicks Picks. And action! All right, what's been on everyone's screens lately? Ben McLaughlin. So my wife and I uh, were looking for a show to watch, and we, we needed something that was a little more laid back, maybe what didn't require the binge factor so much with baseball starting. So it's a show that we can just throw on whenever we're in the same room together. show called Battlefish. Essentially what it is is a group of uh, fishing boats and crews up in the Pacific Northwest uh, fishing for albacore tuna, and it gets quite competitive, gets quite fiery, gets <laughs> testy out there on the waters. Nice. Uh, but they rake in some good money. So, yeah, it's quite entertaining. Olivia's into this? <laughs> oh, yeah. She loves it. What? She's all about it. Yeah. Nice. Oh. I'm, 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 uh, I'm disputing that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I could see you being all in. I'm not sure she could be in, in on that. Come on. <laughs> well, hey, I, I don't hate the player. Hate the game. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to find out the scoop on this. All right, Josh. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I have a, a game show that uh, we've been watching lately. It's called The Chase. It's uh, hosted by uh, Sarah Haynes, who's a co-host of The View. But it, it features Ken Jennings, James Holtzauer, and Brad Rutter of Jeopardy fame. And uh, I, honestly, I, I'm not a huge fan of the way the game show is laid out. There's three contestants, and then one at a time they get a chance to take on one of those three uh, 
chasers is what they're called. And so I, there's different parts of it. It's an hour-long show, and so it kind of gets bogged down at times, and it's not always the best. Like I, There are different suggestions that I would have to make it a better game show, but I, it, there's still a lot of trivia questions in there, so I love that and uh, fun playing along with it. So Cool. Is it ABC? ABC, yep. got that? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Austin. Yeah, so the wife and I are still going through Seinfeld every so often. Uh, she just finished up The Resident, a medical drama from yeah. Fox that I, I kind of got well, pulled into a little bit. She's all caught up, so I don't know if I'd say this to her face, but I, I did kind of enjoy like watching it. it a little bit and might have yeah. to start getting into some more of that stuff down the line. But really right now at the Orman apartment, it's it's March, so today she was yeah. off. She's home. She got her stuff in. I'll get home. I'll flip on spring training or basketball or something that's hey, that's really how it works at this time of year i'm finding. maybe that show is to austin is to the ben, the ben show is to olivia you know like probably it's it's an unlikely uh <laughs> duo but it it works somehow yeah you know very you, possible oh, what's your take on seinfeld i know you were not through it all yet you like it yeah, it's perfectly fine. I wouldn't put it in my top tier yet, but it definitely has its moments. It's gotten us laughing from time to time. Pretty well written, all things considered. I, I like the the jokes and the bits they have going so far. So I'll, I'll give it a little bit more time before I give it a full official rating, but it is, <laughs> it is worth watching. That's what I'll say for now. All right. Very good. Okay. For me, it's a movie I saw. I've seen it. It's not about six weeks ago, but it's the latest Pixar movie called Soul. It actually won some Golden Globes. The other night, here's a little sneak peek. What the... What is this place? What's your name, honey? Uh, I'm Joe. I teach middle school band. Got it. Go for it. Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at 7. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's going to say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig! Must have been sudden for you. Movie's about Joe. He's a middle school band teacher. His life hasn't gone quite the way that he wanted it to. His true passion is jazz. You can pick that up on the clip there. And he's good at it. But then he has to travel to another realm to help find someone find their passion. Then he discovers what it really means to have soul. It's really good. Really well done. Pixar, it's another hit for Pixar. Jamie Foxx is the lead. Tina Fey, Felicia Richard, uh, Angela Bassett. So it's a great cast in there. If you haven't seen it, it's been out a couple months. If you haven't seen it, it's worth your time. It's a really easy watch, fun. You'll feel good when it's all over. Well, that is it for us for the week. That's our last sports highlight. We have volleyball tomorrow night on the network. 